And welcome to Talk the Talk. I am Buzz Eisenberg. I'm Bill Newman. And we are always pleased to have Professor Smith, Professor uh, Carrie Baker here with us. She is also an editor for Ms. Magazine, and she's always a source of really important information for us to learn when she uh, joins us here on Talk the Talk. Hello, Carrie Baker. Hi, Buzz. How are you? I'm excited. Who do we have today? So we have, I'm so excited, we have Marianne Winters, who's the executive director of Safe Passage here in Northampton. Safe Passage, a lot of you may know it from the Hot Chocolate Run, which is so fun on the first Sunday of December. And, you know, tons of us get out there and run. Um, but what the work of Safe Passage is, it supports survivors of domestic violence and relationship abuse. So I want to welcome Marianne. Great to have you here today. Well, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So I wanted to start by just asking you to explain to the listeners what Safe Passage does. Sure. So what our programs or the work that we do on behalf of survivors and communities can be categorized in three big sections. One is addressing the impact of domestic violence and relationship abuse directly with survivors. We do that through um, a multicultural approach. We have counselors who um, specialize and serve and are representative of those communities most marginalized in Hampshire County. So we focus our direct services toward those marginalized and toward communities who are most impacted by domestic violence. Um, our Engagement work includes extensive outreach, um, work with volunteers who really help enhance all of our programming. Um, our prevention work, which is, um, many people are aware of it, is called Say Something. It's teaching people how to be part of the solution of domestic violence through skill development and information and practice. Um, and then extensive collaboration. So, so those are kind of our two um, you know, impact and engagement. And then overall, we um, focus a lot on systems advocacy, which um, is, you could think of it as more kind of creating pathways for people to engage with systems and institutions that they need. So we work on policy, regulations, gaps in services, gaps in institutions, where we see discrimination, language access, and so forth. So what kind of services do you provide directly to survivors? Um, our services, in general, it's one-on-one um, -on -one relationships with a counselor advocate. Um, we start very often with safety planning. There's not one service. They're very customized, so individualized, I see. So it's, you know, we're, we're in a place where rather than say, here is our list of services you can choose, it's really what for you would enhance your well-being? What would give you hope? Um, so it's very individualized. We do a series of counseling, both in person and we still are, are doing virtual. We do support groups on anything from um, parenting skills in the wake of domestic violence, um, culturally specific support groups, groups that, um, that engage creative side, so we might do writing group or art-based group. Um, so there, you know, it really is kind of based on what people are, are needing. 
big focus right from the beginning on safety planning in all of its forms as well. Mm-hmm. So what is what does that look like? What 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 do you how do you help people with safety planning? What does that mean? Well, for each person, you know, they know their situation the best, right? So we really dis- we differentiate between things that you can do that might make you feel safer versus things that actually could make you safer. And it's building safety into day-to-day life. So it's knowledge, first of all. So if living with the person abusing you, um, safety planning might include um, identifying kind of escalation points. Um, if there's an, you know, if, if you're having an argument or if you see that escalation point, going into the, one of the safer rooms. So, so the most dangerous places in the home during an escalated argument is a kitchen and the bathroom. The kitchen because there are sharp, there's cooking implements, bathrooms because there's hard surfaces. So um, we train people on de-escalation, what you can say to help calm a situation. Um, For some people, um, a plan to call the police is right for them. For other people, a plan to maybe send their child to a neighbor's house or create a a, um, a signal of some sort. Um, I know of you know one person who lives in a rural area and you know identified a place on their property um, in a certain location that had the strongest cell phone signal so that they could call. So their safety plan, you know, involved checking out where they could actually make a cell phone call. Um, so it's it's different for every person and for every family. It includes transportation, where you go, how you go to work, how you where you go to, you know, what route you take to pick up children, um, and also working with people in your life. So working with, um, you know, the clergy in your faith community, working with your daycare provider, um, so that they know the situation and they have some precautions that they can that you ask them to take. So we have here today with us Marianne Winters of Safe Passage, who's talking about the different ways that the organization here in Northampton helps survivors of domestic violence uh, plan to, you know, for safety. Um, you mentioned that you focus on marginalized communities in Hampshire County that are more likely to be subject to domestic violence. Who are you talking about? Well, in Hampshire County, you know, LGBTQ plus folks, especially transgender folks, um, because of marginalization, often have less access to resources, are, um, you know, often kind of misunderstood, can be more isolated. Uh, People with disabilities, um, Hampshire County has a large percentage of people with disabilities who have a very high rate, incidence rate over a lifetime of domestic and sexual violence. Um, People live in rural areas um, and immigrants and Latinx folks. Right. Um, So, and we do, you know, we actually have a program, you know, that's fairly recent where we help immigrant survivors obtain and apply for and obtain um, special domestic violence related visas so that they can, yes, towards citizenship. And so, um, and then also black women, um, you know, are the high, it's the highest group um, numbered within um, domestic violence homicides. So while in Hampshire County, the 
population. You know, we don't go just by demographics. We go by, all right, where are the biggest um, gaps in need from what we understand, both demographics as well as the overall data. Right. Director Marianne Winters, this is Buzz. And um, there's no, no doubt about the services at Safe Passage that you just uh, itemized for us are so important. But I just want to turn our attention for a moment. So much research has been done about the cycle of domestic violence. That is, like molestation, most molesters were themselves molested. Uh, so many people that engage the perpetrators of domestic violence are themselves victimized by circumstances that were violent. What what aren't we doing? We have a criminal justice system, but what aren't we doing that we should be doing to stop that cycle? Well, I think we need to look at the full range of that cycle because for every person who is abused in some form or another and then goes to commit abuse as kind of a coping mechanism, there's probably five or six who don't, right? So it's not the whole picture. Um, I think that a legal, the legal approach is one part of the solution, but not the entire solution. So, and in fact, what we're, um, what we're working on more and more is um, increasing options for accountability, because really it is accountability and addressing kind of the core issues um, of that lead people to commit violence. So our prevention work is about um, creating conditions within our community, within our culture, that actually enhance the overall safety, that help decrease the amount of um, toxic masculinity, for example. I mean, people talk a lot about um, sort of our cultural conditions, um, but that's a, a real thing in communities where they're able to name and start to address and create alternatives for um, kind of the, the dynamics based in sexism and racism, they're showing, um, you know, less rates in, in sort of better communities. So it's really about increasing the conditions that actually allow people to thrive, um, maintain their mental health, maintain their well-being, maintain their, um, you know, uh, ability to, um, to thrive economically and so forth. So Marianne Winters, this is Bill Newman. It's such a lovely pleasure to see you. I'd like to it's know, to see you too. as the executive director of Safe Passage, I would appreciate your perspective on the name of your organization, Safe Passage, from where to where or where to what? Well, that's a great question. Um, you know, in simplest terms, it's from violence to safety, right? So. The, you know, we su support people in, um, you know, in figuring out how they can best um, kind of reduce, reduce the conditions that are perpetuating abuse, create safety, um, thrive, and um, develop their well-being. Um, in more conceptual terms, it's about a passage of a community from conditions that keep violence in place and oppression into one that's that is more based on liberation. Marianne, I wanted to ask you, I know that recently Safe Passage closed their shelter, and I, I associate DV shelters, you know, because they're longstanding. Domestic or, violence. Domestic violence with actually having a physical building where people can be 
as they're fleeing violence um, and as they transition away from the abusive relationship. But I heard that, you know, within the last year, Safe Passage closed their shelter here in Northampton. Why did you do that? Um, there's a whole, there's a whole cluster of reasons. Um, shelter, so we have always worked with more people within our community programs who transitioned from a violence, from a violent situation into a safer situation through, without going to shelter. So there is a, you know, because domestic violence shelters really sprung up in the 70s as kind of a first approach because it was safer living. Um, you may not know that that when they first started, the average stay, the average stay in our shelter in Northampton was about 60 days. Um, in the last period of time, that has increased to an average stay of almost a year and a half. So we have the same building, the same model, but way different cultural conditions. Mm. Um, there's been an ongoing funding structural deficit. So every year, the funding that we've been able to receive to actually run the shelter um, was, even though the number increased because costs increased, um, became less and less by percentage. So that was going to have an effect on the stability of the organization. Um, the drastic increase in the number of stays, of stays, the length of stays, combined with a housing, housing shortage and system problems with even obtaining housing means that our focus needs to be on working with people around housing, housing advocacy, um, and fewer resources on that particular moment. So we worked with maybe a couple of thousand people over the last 10 years, and I believed we worked with a total of, you know, somewhere around 60 to 80 people within shelter. That's not to say that a smaller group is less important, it's to say that that model of congregate care living, um, if you imagine, you know, families have a shared um, sleep, you know, room for a bedroom for sleeping and for kind of living as a family, and then there's common spaces for, um, for, food, dining, for living areas. So much. Um, that, I'm sorry. I, uh, please finish your sentence. I thought you were finished. Um, well, I'm just saying that a longer stay creates conditions that really create more harm. So, you know, interfamily conflicts, inability to address the poverty issues, um, health, mental health, and so forth. Well, so much important That's work that Safe Passage does. Uh, we're going to continue our conversation in our segment called Feminist Futures with Professor Carrie Baker and Executive Director Marion Winters of Safe Passages right after this. You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg. You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg. WHMP. And we are back with Professor Carrie Baker of Feminist Futures segment with Marianne Winters of Safe Passage. Yeah, Carrie. great. So, Marianne, before the break, you were talking about how you've closed your shelter. Where are those people going that were in the shelter before? Well, we, um, we made sure that nobody was left out on the streets. So we housed them in hotels. <laughs> Um, and then did some, you know, and did some really intensive advocacy to help them get placed. 
Um, also, the the number of rooms across the state is not changing. The Department of Public Health still will, you know, is in the process of actually contracting with other shelters who have um, a more, you know, the you know, a, a, a setup and ability to um, to take in more people. So you're you're sending the people from Hampshire County to shelter like DV, domestic violence shelters and other communities. Well, it's interesting because you know we're part of a statewide network, which um, which was good, but also part of the problem. There were very few people being housed in our shelter from Hampshire County because as a statewide network, I see. whenever whenever there was an open room, people would come from anywhere that they needed to. So we were trying to house people going back to New Bedford and the Cape and all over the place where to really do a good job in housing advocacy, we need the deep relationships within our community. Yeah. So what we're able to do now is actually a better approach for, for the area that we, um, that we most serve. Right, right. So I want to turn to talking about some legislation that's currently pending before the Massachusetts um, legislature. The House of Representatives last week passed a bill, H-4241, called an act to prevent abuse and exploitation. And there's a lot in there, including um, defining abuse to include coercive control, which is non-physical violence and abuse, um, also including what's colloquially called revenge porn, but I think is uh, more appropriately (laughs) called non-consensual intimate uh, photograph, sharing non-consensual intimate photographs, and and other things. And so I wanted to ask you about this piece of legislation and what you you see in it that's, um, and again, it passed the House of Representatives unanimously. It's now going to the Senate. So it's still in progress. But what do you think of that legislation? Do you support it? Well, I think there's pieces of this I can tell that it's still a work in progress. So let's put it that. So there are sections, they're kind of all over the place. I know that people, you know, legislators have been wanting to address sexting, um, coercive control, um, and so forth. And, but the, but the way right now, so it, I, I have some concerns about un, potential unintended consequences. It is not yet on our statewide um, support list through Jane Doe Wink, which tells you that they're they're working on getting it, you know, on advocating around it being in better shape. So, the first the first section around sexting kind of addresses the problem by creating a diversion education program for young people who are who are accused or committed sexting. So, you, Marianne really Winters, a, could you just define what sexting is? Um, it's, um, it's a form of bullying, um, using sexual, um, comments and images by text, right? So either by text or on, on social media, you know, it's bullying in, in the internet age, right? So the same dynamics, um, happen as bullying kind of through the ages, um, but people start to think of it as a kind of a different and new thing. And it's really not. It's just whatever tools are available when someone is, you know, when bullying exists, becomes the, um, 
you know, the mechanism. So somebody so will get about it. an intimate photograph and share it with their friends Yes, behind absolutely. the back of somebody whose photograph it is, right? Right, right. And it's the same kind of bullying as if you didn't have a photograph, but you, you know, brag to your friends about, um, you know, a sexual um, encounter, things like that. So um, the, the impact kind of I'm, I'm over a period of time, even though tools change and the way that bullying um, as well as domestic violence is committed changes, the dynamics and the root causes are, are the same. So this creates kind of a, a criminal legal focused consequence where there's education, um, there's an educational diversion program where someone doesn't, um, you know, the, the sentence or the alternative sentence is an educational program that focuses on the, the consequences of, of your life if you commit sexting and on the other person's life, right? It's, it's something, but it's not everything. And I think that what we need more is, you know, a real cultural change and really um, to prevent sexting, right? And, you know, not necessarily more of a punishment-based focus. So that's one issue I have with it. Um, what about the coercive control part of the law? Well, I think that coercive control definitely needs to be thought of as part of the um, the picture of domestic violence. And I think, that, you know, there's a, a there's another bill that's you know pending that's in a little bit better shape. I think that actually defines coercive control and adds that as one reason for a restraining order. Um, can can but you again, say what it is? Can you say what coercive control is? Well, it's a, it's a pattern. It's not just one event, but it's a pattern with the intention. It's a pattern of behavior, the intention to threaten, intimidate, harass, maybe isolate the person, um, compel compliance over something. So it's really a way of maintaining control. And again, it's been part of the pattern of domestic violence. It just has some more, you know, it has, has kind of like a name that's, you know, sounds more or is more descriptive than emotional abuse. You know, it's emotional abuse, um, but it like puts more, uh, I guess, more substance in, in people's minds to what really emotional abuse is. Right. And the law allows people to get a protective order based on coercive control, right? Yeah, it's it's one. Yes, it, it could be. So and, you know, people when people need a restraining order to, you know, get freedom from the violence of coercive control up until now, there hasn't been that avenue unless they can show some physical or sexual abuse. Now, whether how far that will how people define it, because it's 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 easier. You know, some of some things that someone does is part of coercive control. You know, as behaviors are not attached to a crime, right? Yeah. Right. So I, I just wanted to make sure everybody understands this is not a law yet. This is a bill. Correct. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And it passed the. Uh, Passed the House of Representatives here in Massachusetts by a whisker, 151 to, to nothing. Zero, right? <laughs> so, but it is going to be. Uh, and Marianne Winter, you predicted in the Senate, is going to be uh, 
worked over a little bit yeah. and uh, perfected. Well, Marianne, unfortunately, we've run out of time, but I want to thank you for being here today and thank you for your really important work at Safe Passage. By the way, how much did you raise last year at the Hot Chocolate Run? Um, in December, we, we've, we're at almost $800,000, wow. $795,000 wow. that this community came together to provide for our work. It's That's amazing. really amazing. Truly remarkable. I'm so grateful. Well, thank yeah. you so much for being here today, Marianne, and thank you for your leadership of this important organization. And thank you so much, Carrie Baker, Feminist Futures. It is a really important segment for all of us. We will be right back. This is Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg.